All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. You wanted Rocky? We'll give you Rocky. Rocky start for the Edmonton Oilers in the Western Conference Final. Welcome into the Daily Faceoff Show, a Stanley Cup playoff edition. Today is Friday, June 3rd. Happy Friday, everyone. And it's also day 33 of the Stanley Cup playoffs as we welcome in Matt Larkin, our senior writer and managing editor. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm good. And I got Rocky on the brain. I'm thinking about Rocky 3 after watching Game 2. It looked like uh, Rocky against Clubber Lang the first time they fought. That's how mismatched it was last night. Yep, as a proud Philadelphian, I am well-versed in the Rocky series and I uh, actually think the sequels were pretty good in the last couple of years as well. So uh, we'll talk about that another time. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck with that fascinating game two, the Colorado Avalanche absolutely smothering the Oilers in game two. And there was one sequence, of course, that stands out. It's the two minutes and four seconds in which the Avs scored Three goals in quick succession. Uh, the Avs talking about how they just really aren't satisfied after getting one and they want more. Um, when you look at this sequence for the Avs and you look at how this has played out, what you know, what's impressing you the most about what the Avs have been able to do? Well, I think that sequence, it's a testament to the Avalanche's depth, specifically in the top six, because we know it was one line that delivered the three goals in that sequence, right? It was Nazem Kadri, Arturi Lekkanen, and Miko Rantanen. And 
Jared Bednar has the ability to move Ranton and off that top line. He has Landeskog and, and Nathan McKinnon, Valerie Nachushkin on Connor McDavid. He's able to use the Kadri line as sort of the threatening scoring line. And it really, really was very apparent in game two, just the depth advantage that Colorado has as well. And the scoring chances at five on five, I think it was 27-14. The Oilers, to me, this is the first time since game one against Calgary where I thought they looked genuinely outclassed. And I think there's a depth problem here, especially with Leon Dreisaitl. He's still playing hurt. I know we saw Jay Woodcroft moving his pieces around the lineup, splitting him up with McDavid. But either way, I think we're seeing just a major depth edge in Colorado so far. Yeah, the depth is certainly a factor for the Oilers to contend with. But Nazem Kadri, as you mentioned, has been a beast. Three primary assists in that two-minute and four-second span. So when you take a look at his last 83 games played, the stat from our friend Peter Ball, 83 games played, 34 goals, 101 points for Nazem Kadri. If you thought that, you know, for a guy that had such a successful regular season, the question marks were always... Not just can he produce in the postseason, but can he actually remain in the lineup? He's answered seemingly all of those questions and more as he's heading for a massive payday this summer, Matt. It's so true. And, you know, when it comes to Nazem Kadri, it was never a matter of talent. This was a top 10 draft pick in the NHL. He was dominant with the London Knights. He had tremendous hands. He's got good speed. He can do so many different things well. He plays with an edge. He hits for a guy who's not that big. It really just was a matter of him getting his head on straight and playing on the right side of the line and he's showing what he's capable of when he does that just in time to get a massive payday. I think I can just see the dollar figure going ding, 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 going up with every game he plays in these playoffs. Yeah, it feels certainly like he's in that seven and a half million dollar, eight million dollar a year range with that type of production and consistency. So you threw a stat out there about the scoring chances. I'm going to throw one at you that to me perfectly describes the Edmonton Oilers and their struggles in these first two games. 26 to 8. That was the chances off the rush with the Colorado Avalanche having a huge advantage through the first two games. The Oilers are being smothered. Their stars, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, have not been able to generate much. Off the rush is where their bread has been buttered. And, you know, I, I think back to that first opening minute of game two. Connor McDavid, you know, I'm on the edge of my seat, Matt, in, my, in the press box, thinking as he picks up the puck just inside the Oilers' blue line. This is going to be one of those moments. You see him wind up through the neutral zone, and yet he's met stride for stride with Kale, by, by Kale McCarr going backwards with a perfectly timed pivot and puck and poke check that really just took a what would normally be an unbelievable opportunity for Connor McDavid. He doesn't even get a shot attempt. So they've been able to match the Oilers and beat them at their own game. How do they turn this around for game three as they head back to oil country? It's pretty tough. And, you know, Kale McCarr, someone said to me once in a press box, sort of one of those debates during the intermission, is Kale McCarr the second best player in the world right now after Connor McDavid? I think you can make the case because he's the one person who can keep pace. But I'm wondering about just the deployment of the Oilers top line. I know, like I said, we saw Jay Woodcroft experimenting. I don't know why you do that right now. And I know the Oilers, they were hard on themselves with the 8-6 score in game one. But in my opinion, the Oilers want chaos. They want fire wagon hockey. And yes, I know the Colorado Avalanche are extremely talented. They can keep up with that pace as well. But if you look at the success of the Oilers, the wilder the games have been, especially with Calgary, the better the results have been because you find a way to lose track. If you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl 
on the ice together and you have back and forth action, you have chaos, it's hard to pick up both of them and one of them is going to burn you. And I don't know why the Oilers want to mess with that. Yes, of course, they don't want to give up eight goals, including an empty netter. But to me, when the games are wild, when they're crazy, I think it actually seems to favor them so far in the playoffs. And you saw in game two, the Oilers, I think they're a bit more conservative. They tried to be a lot more physical, which good on them. I guess you want to get Colorado off your game, but that's not what's worked for the Oilers in the playoffs. They need crazy. They need their hair on fire. Well, they might need that, but I don't think there's been one moment in this series so far, Matt, that the abs have not been in complete control of the game. So you mentioned lineup decisions, and Jay Woodcroft certainly has a few. He broke up Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in Game 2 for the first time since Round 1. Had to put them back together in the third period as the Oilers were chasing the game. But what about the decision that exists with Darnell Nurse? At what point... You know, I, I fully commend Darnell Nurse and what he's battling through. Jay Woodcroft said after the game, he's giving us everything that he has, and he's an absolute warrior. And there's no question about that as he's dealing with his core muscle injury that, as I reported, may require surgery. At what point is he hurting you instead of helping you? Yeah, we've seen this come up over the years so many times in the playoffs because there's the, there's the warrior mentality. You want to help your team, but there reaches a point at which you're not necessarily helping your team anymore by being in the lineup. And I don't want to go as far and use the word liability, but it's hard not to think it a little bit. If you look in the first couple of games against Colorado, with Nurse on the ice at 5-on-5, five five, the score was 6-1 Colorado. The scoring chances were 32-16. The Oilers have been doubled in chances in the series with their number one defenseman on the ice. Of course, Darnell Nurse is going to get the tough assignments, but I still think it's a sign that he's not himself. And you said it earlier in these playoffs, we're not seeing the physical, the nasty Darnell Nurse. And I just decided for fun to look it up. And in the regular season, 10% of his games, he didn't have a hit. In these playoffs, 23% of his games, he has gone without a hit. And this is a guy that's not just throwing one hit in the game when he's on. He's throwing five hits, nine hits, 10 hits. He's physically dominating the competition. And he's just a shell right now. What we're seeing out there, it's just not Darnell Nurse. Yeah, I fully agree. And what's odd to me is that it seemed like he was getting better. He had a really rough game one against Calgary as well. And then two, three, four, and five to close out the Battle of Alberta. He seemed to be closer to himself. He got in a practice between these rounds and you're thinking, okay, this is a guy, if he's getting on the ice that's in an optional situation, maybe he's getting healthier. I wonder if maybe instead of just it being dependent on the injury as well, which obviously isn't going away, the Avs are just so much of a better skating team than Calgary that you can't really seem to avoid some of that that the Avs are making Darnell Nurse do. Dash three in that two-minute and four-second sequence for Darnell Nurse, the turnover that started it all for the first goal that ended up in the back of the net. The Oilers compounded their problem. Jay Woodcroft sending out the fourth line for the next shift. Kadri remained out there, and the puck was in the back of their net in a hurry. The route was on. Oilers haven't been able to generate much. It's going to be fascinating to see what they can do as they return home for Game 3, Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Game 2 in the Eastern Conference Final goes tonight, Matt, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning trying to avoid an 0-2 hole going back home. And the stats are incredible. It's maybe one of the most absurd things going in pro sports right now. The Tampa Bay Lightning following a loss. 17 and 0, Andre Vasilevsky right in the middle of it all with a 942 save percentage and five shutouts. Matt, it's kind of been funny to see the social media response over the last few days since the Rangers won. It was like, hey, the Rangers, you know, they might go to the cup and, and win the cup. And I'm thinking, like, all right, one game. Let's pump the brakes here, P the B, and uh and figure out what, what happens from here on in. Like the lightning 
I have a real hard time counting that team out. I don't think Andre Vasilevsky is giving up six again, and I certainly don't think the Lightning are going to be as sloppy defensively as they were in game one. Yeah, you've nailed it. And I had the same thought going through social media. I remember saying out loud, uh, have you met the Tampa Bay Lightning, everyone? Do you not remember who we're dealing with here? We have the unbelievable streak, the 17-0 following a loss. And they've been remarkably resilient. They'd won six straight games in the playoffs before that loss. They're allowed to lose a game here and there. It's going to happen. They're getting deeper in the playoffs. They're facing other teams that are successful. They also had a nine-game layoff between the end of the Florida series and the start of the Rangers series. The Rangers, on the other hand, were battle-tested. I think they were still riding a lot of adrenaline, especially Chris Kreider, a man possessed. The Rangers are 5-0 in elimination games in these playoffs. So it's not surprising that it, they came out really strong at home. I don't think that's any reason to panic about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sure, if they finally end the streak and lose two in a row, we have to start looking at it a little differently. And of course they miss Braden point, but there's no reason to panic. And they've given us every single reason to trust them over the last couple of years. Yeah. And Brandon Hagel, as you mentioned, he doesn't seem quite right. Brandon, uh, Braden point also uh, out. It doesn't look like he's getting that much closer. Although he skated also left the ice kind of after a, a brief twirl as well uh, of late. You know, what's interesting Matt, and, and we can talk about this later in the Daily Bet segment with Tyler Ramchuk, but I always wonder, like, what do the sports books think? What does Vegas think of what's happening? And they really like the Rangers. The Tampa Bay Lightning are now plus money to win the series, even after just one loss. And it's, it's kind of amazing to see that type of turn with one game Given what we know about the Lightning and all their history, why are you know why are you and I seeing it feels like so much differently than so many other people? Well, I do think we're seeing some encouraging things from the Rangers. You could argue that they had it pretty easy in the first couple of rounds. They're facing second and third string goalies the whole time. But to me, something that I thought was a weakness for the Rangers a lot of the, the season is becoming a strength, and that's depth outside the top six forward group because we're seeing that trio of first-round picks, Capocacco, Alexi Lafreniere, especially Philip Hedl, turning things around. And Philip Hedl, I think it's, what, five goals in his last three games, something like that. So this kid line is suddenly becoming a disruptive presence, and it's really important because we know the Rangers were a terrible five-on-five team throughout the regular season and so far in the playoffs. They're so dependent on that great power play. They're more than 33% for the playoffs. But when you have the depth forward starting to contribute, that often is going to happen at five on five. And it makes the Rangers a little more diverse. And if you factor in the Braden Point injury for Tampa Bay as well, it's like, oh, wait, I thought Tampa Bay was the deeper team. Suddenly, I'm starting to wonder if the Rangers now have the slight advantage in the depth department. The kid line has turned the Rangers from a two-dimensional team into a three-dimensional team. Philip Hedl, seven goals in the postseason, just eight in the entire regular season. Certainly been fun to watch, and I've been saying for a long, long time, if they could just find a way to squeeze out some production from Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco, this team could be really dangerous, and that's exactly what we're seeing in this run in the Eastern Conference Final. Let's continue our down-and-out series where we're looking at some of the teams that were bounced earlier in the playoffs, recapping their season, and also a big-picture view of where they're heading today up is the Dallas Stars. And first, the top of the priority list, Matt, is the coaching search. They've got Rick Bonus, who uh, they did not renew his contract. A lot of talk during the regular season about Rick Bonus retiring. He has made it known since then that although he's not going to be back with Dallas, that he would like to continue as an NHL coach. And he's been around for a long, long time. But there's an interesting offseason coming in the sense for the Stars. They've got some guys to pay. 
Nick Robertson coming off an incredible season for the stars is probably pretty high up on that priority list after getting the coach done. That's right. And you know, it's funny, this offseason reminds me a little bit of the situation the Stars were in two years ago, where they had three important RFAs. At the time, it was Radic Faxa and Rupi Hintz and, and Denis Gurionov. And because they had to focus on those RFAs, they really couldn't do much in terms of improving the team. They end up missing the playoffs the following season. They're in a similar boat now, where of course, Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger, who really spiked his value in the playoffs, they need their big new contracts. I think Jason Robertson especially is going to be the one who gets paid. He's shown he's going to be an elite player in the NHL. So the stars have to focus on those contracts. They don't have that much cap space. I think it's somewhere in the $17 million range. By the time they get those key RFAs signed, is there that much room to make improvements? And that's before you even factor in the idea of maybe wanting to re-sign John Klingberg. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's possible. He's a right-handed shot. He's ninth in all defensemen scoring in the past five years. He's going to get a big number on the open market. And you're looking at the rest of this core and you have Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan who are becoming albatrosses. Let's face it. Together, that's more than $19 million. Both players have had hip surgeries. They're relatively old for their age at 30 and 32, respectively. I'm just not seeing a team that can improve easily. The RFAs are going to be priority, but is there going to be money left over to do anything else? Yeah, I totally agree. And they're not becoming albatrosses. They kind of have been albatrosses and anchors for the last little while here, giving you second and third line type production at those type of salary cap numbers. It's been a huge sticking point for the stars now needing to pay Robertson, probably unable to keep John Klingberg, as you mentioned. And I add all those things up, not knowing how they're going to replace those guys or at least replace Klingberg and say, is there a chance that the stars take a step backwards next season? I think it's entirely possible. And you know what? I look at the Ryan Suter contract as a major mistake. And again, I think it was Foresight 2020. I thought it in the moment. It's not like he had a lot of leverage coming off being bought out. And he's now 37 years old. Why did Jim Neal have to give him three years? Now I'm sure you're regretting that contract because that could be what makes the difference in terms of signing and not being able to re-sign John Klingberg. You have two years left now for Suter, who's 37 years old, $3.65 million. I feel like the stars could really use that money right now. Yeah, it wasn't the dollars. It was the term for Suter that really stood out. And you're right, it's Suter is probably gets you, you know, a little less than half of what it would take to keep Klingberg. And all of a sudden, your team's in a tough spot now. Going to be an interesting summer for the Dallas Stars. Uh, coaching search, you know, there's been some chatter recently. Is Jim Nill on the hot seat? Uh, this summer will tell a lot in terms of his future and the team's future as well in Big D. Let's get some coaching insights from John Goyans in our latest edition of The Coach's Room. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Pleased to welcome back to the Daily Faceoff Show, John Goins, our resident coach, who's done a fantastic job providing some coaching playoff insights for us on dailyfaceoff.com all playoffs long. This segment is sponsored and delivered by DoorDash. John, when you take a look, you wrote a great story yesterday on dailyfaceoff.com about seven ways to try and defend Connor McDavid. And it was uh, certainly a time well-timed and appropriate given what we saw from the Colorado Avalanche in game two, when you take a look back at the tape, John, how did the Colorado Avalanche do in in defending McDavid? Obviously quite well, but how were they able to do it? I think it starts with a full team buy-in. I mean, I know we hear those types of, um, you know, cliches when it comes to the playoffs, but the reality is the awareness and the willingness to say, we're going to be above this player at all times. We cannot cheat. We cannot hope when he is on the ice. I think their task was actually made easier. The fact that Dreisaitl wasn't on his line. You see here, Comfer aware. He's not going to try and get above or cheat. And he's going to try and defend Connor McDavid's path. Instead of trying to always defend the body, sometimes you just have to defend the area they want to get to. And he does a a really good job of just getting in the lane, matching the angle, and knowing full well where that puck is going. And that that comes back to not only the abilities of comfort to skate at a high level, maybe not McDavid's level, most people can, but also just the wherewithal to realize, hey, that puck's going in deep, and I'm going to be first on it. And John, I know I don't want to say that the McDavid was erased, but we saw him pretty well smothered compared to other games in game two. And I'm just curious, what are some of the strategies you see right now that are really working in Colorado's favor against McDavid? Well, I don't think anybody's actually trying to match his skating. And I think that could be a mistake, right? If you try to match your skating with Connor McDavid skating, this is where he's going to make you pay. So it's, again, the awareness of where does he want to go and what does he want to do? Here, it's a, a kind of a holy, you know what moment, but McCarr matches. He stays inside dots and look at the footwork here. He knows this is a Connor, Connor McDavid move. He wants to lift his stick off the puck and cut inside and get you fishing. McKinnon right here, he doesn't really pinch, but he's aware Stands him up and he gives uh, Landeskog time to uh, cover for the D. Now he's aware. He's paying attention. He's matching him shoulder to shoulder. This is forcing, and you're going to see in a lot of these clips where Connor McDavid ends up on the outside looking in when it comes to being available. Here again, Helm. I wrote about it in the article. I think Helm and Cogliano and Confer are going to have a really big impact. Above, don't cheat. 
didn't finish his forecheck. He knew who was on the ice. And they're creating a lot of situations of two on three through the neutral zone. Cogliano's going to hold his lane. Bang. He's going to say, you got to go through all five of us. They're denying the middle, forcing McDavid to kick out pucks and finish on the outside again. Here you're going to see, boom, Eric Johnson. I'm not going fishing for any potential loose pucks. I know who's on the ice. Here comes the rush. You got a triangle in this case. It's buying everybody time. And now you got five guys in the picture. But watch Devon Taves right here. He knows who's on the ice at all times. And watch him meet him on the other side of the post. There are no surprises. When Connor McDavid is on the ice, you cannot go, well, I didn't know. I wasn't aware. Nobody told me. And then it's just simplicities of angling, eliminating the red line. And I believe strongly here that the more you could force Connor McDavid to kick out pucks early. So that means the puck's not on his stick. Potentially dump pucks earlier. He's going to finish on the outside like in this clip again. Here he goes. Makar, great footwork. Not one crossover. Matches with a poke check. Fades off. And a real good play by Newhook not to over back check or lose sight of who's on the ice. The play just continues to just develop where things like Obey Kubel right here is going to deny the weak side. He's going to deny space, create that triangle. And again, Connor McDavid, if you're going to concede a shot, that's the shot you're going to concede. And again, Connor McDavid ends up kind of fading away on the outside. Here again, we've got above the puck and what we call deflect. So you want to deflect and at times it looks like a triangle or a wedge. And what you want to see from a lot of defensemen here is you actually get an opportunity to meet McDavid chest to chest and not shoulder to shoulder because then he truly has to physically go through your whole body and not just one shoulder or the other. And I think that Colorado was just a, a full team buy-in. And, and on the flip side, I don't think you're ever going to really shut out the Colorado Avalanche and this isn't going to hurt their offense. Yeah, it's a fantastic set of clips, John, really illustrates. And it was amazing to me as you worked your way through them, how many different players were, you know, keying in on Connor McDavid and aware. It's not just the defense, but you, you highlighted the forwards as well that have done a great job trying to limit his chances. So if you're looking at it from the other, other side, if you're on the Oilers bench now and you're trying to find a way for McDavid to get back to his usual self and be productive, you, you know, as you mentioned, you can't, you know, you can't totally close him out for a series. You can only try and contain him as best you can. Did, do you felt like he, you know, he fully admitted after game two, I, I just haven't, you know, I haven't had it. I haven't been as good here. You know, did he concede the outside? Was he frustrated? And, and what kind of strategies would you implement now moving forward to get McDavid back to the level that he's usually at? I think, you know, it's all nice and dandy that you have three really good centers and you have that option to, you know, put them together and separate them at times. I, I've loved that strategy. Sometimes you build lines with pairs and then you have really two to three really good complementary players that you could spread out over your top nine. However, you scored six goals. Jay Woodcroft talked about it. You scored six goals in game one. Well, Edmonton is not going to out-defend Colorado. It's going to have to be a dry settle, McDavid, and everybody else is going to have to do their job away the, from the puck. They've got to play together. They just have to. Their, their chemistry, the way they feed off each other, the back and forth, 
what is this, Jordan and Pippen at times, you know, there's this, this, the way they relieve the pressure from each other and the give and goes, and it opens up everybody else. And so there's that element. I think that Connor's going to have to um, embrace a little bit of the place and chase that we've seen from other elite teams uh, be able to take that next step because round one is one thing. Round two is another. Now it's that, you know, they could kind of smell the potential of going to a cup final here. But the reality is we saw it with Tampa three years ago, four years ago. They get swept. Why? They forced zone entries with possession all the time. They weren't embracing a place and chase mentality. Now they're one of the best teams. Even Toronto over this year was a team that uh, evolved in that sense, embracing playing deep and behind defenders and creating from the offensive zone, not just off the rush. So I think that that's going to have to be something that he embraces. But without Dreisaitl, I think that what we're going to see in those clips is a lot of one versus three, one versus five. Why? Because he's just so much faster than everybody else. So it's hard for his line mates to keep up. And the one guy that could do it, even hobbling around on one ankle, is Leon Dreisaitl. Well, you mentioned it, John. Uh, may have to embrace the place and chase. When you're out chance 26 to 8 off the rush, the Colorado Avalanche clearly are do something, doing something right, beating the Oilers at their own game. Thank you so much. This has been fantastic insight in the coach's room delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen, D-F-O-D-D if you're in Canada, D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. All your favorites delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks so much, John. Thank you. All right, Matt, it's time for our Daily Faceoff inbox question of the day, hashtag AskDFO. And we've had the weekly Daily Faceoff roundtable story going on dailyfaceoff.com. And this week, it's going to double as our inbox question. It's the Montreal Canadiens will reach the playoffs in blank season. Okay, I'm going to say two seasons, and so that that puts them making the playoffs at 2024-25. That might feel soon, but I think that's a long time in today's NHL. Things change quickly. The Habs were in the Stanley Cup final a year ago, after all. But it's still going to take some time. Even though we're going to see someone, it's probably going to be Shane Wright coming and joining this lineup as soon as next year. If you look at the state of the Atlantic Division, the superpowers aren't really going anywhere. The Florida Panthers, they're going to lose some pieces. They're still going to be strong next year. Same goes for the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Boston, I think, is the team everyone agrees is on the way down, especially with Brad Marchand. He's got the hip surgery. He's going to miss part of next season. But if you look at the other rebuilding teams, whether it's Buffalo or Ottawa or Detroit, I think they're all closer to having the critical mass of young pieces to move forward. We saw a lot of progress, especially in Buffalo late this season. And I think Ottawa and Detroit, they sound like teams that are ready to start adding veteran pieces. So I think they're going to be on the rise sooner than the Habs. And yes, the Habs, they have some exciting young pieces already. Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield unlocked under Martin St. Louis. But there's still some dead weight to figure out. Of course, Jeff Petrie and you have some veteran contracts like Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson. They play games 
that are not tailored to age well. They take a lot of punishment, right? So there's going to be, I think, some dead weight eventually down the road there. And of course, Carey Price, we just don't know if he's able to be a true starter in the NHL anymore in terms of his ability to handle the physical workload. It might not happen ever again for him. So there's still a lot in flux there. And it's going to be a little while, I think, before the Habs kids catch up to the veterans and we have a team that's truly competitive. Okay, so I, you said two seasons, but 2025 is actually three. I'm a little bit more optimistic. Um, I, I think when you look at this Canadians team, and to your point, there's lots of holes and question marks, uh, even Carey Price specifically in that. Like, I don't, I don't know if he ever plays again, let alone ever takes on a starter workload again. I think the way last season ended and the send-off with his family, it felt like he knows that this is it and his knee can't hold up anymore. But when I look at you know, where they're heading, you don't have to look very far to see the New York Rangers and their blueprint that Jeff Gordon instituted 2018, February 8th. That was the day that they sent the letter to their season ticket holders in 2020. Yes. You know, you needed, it was a weird pandemic shortened season, but the Rangers had a 93 point campaign. You know, you look at it now, we're four seasons after the fact they're in the conference final. They got some help in the draft lottery as well, but the Montreal Canadiens have already gotten that draft lottery win. Shane Wright's there. I have no reason to think that he can't be every much the impact player that Alexi Lafreniere has proven to be uh, to this point after a little bit of a slow start in his career. There's only two guys left from that Ranger team the day they sent out that letter. It was Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, two nice pieces, but the Habs have a Nick Suzuki and some other nice pieces that they can throw in there as well. I'm a big believer in a guy like Ryan Paling and others. So I think they're starting at a better foundation than the Rangers were. And you look at the picks and capital that they already have in their system and also the pieces that they could trade, much like the Rangers did, to recoup more young assets. They've got to fill probably at goal and certainly on defense. But I think they're starting ahead of where the Rangers were. And that's why I'm going to say two seasons from now, 2024, they're knocking on the door of the playoffs. They may not get in, but that's sort of right when I see them starting to begin that window. 10 of the first 128 picks this year, four first round picks over the next two drafts. They're just in a good spot moving forward, I think. Yeah, I think you make good points there, especially about the New York Rangers. And what's fascinating with the Rangers is, you know, they send the letter out, of course, to the fans in 2018. A year later, they're already adding pieces. That's how confident they felt in the state of that rebuild, right? They go out and sign Artemi Panera and they trade for Jacob Truba. So that's a testament to how quickly you can turn things around to go from a team that wants to promise its fans okay, we need to be patient to a year later, a year and a half later, you're already spending big money to bring in veterans and push forward. So I think if the Habs and Jeff Gordon use that, that blueprint, you could be right. It could be a quick turnaround. Yeah, and I want to point out to, to add and support what you're saying that it was curated spending. Like Artemi Panarin may go down as one of the best free agent signings of all time. He's been insanely productive since he got there. You know, there'll be debates about the Truba trade and the contract, of course, but, uh, you know, especially with the emergence of Adam Fox and winning the Norris, like, did you really need that type of contract? Hindsight is twenty twenty. The guys that they added fit well for that team. And I, I, I think at a certain point, you can start to see some of those same curated selections for the Canadians as well. Let's bring in Tyler Remchuk for our daily face-off daily bet segment. Tyler, how did you do in game two on Thursday night? McKinnon let me down. 
Rice had to let me down. Neither of them were able to go over one and a half points. Uh, but uh, we'll look to bounce back tonight. As an, as, and as you can see at the bottom, no better team to bet on than the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. Let's jump into it, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. I'm starting with just the straight-up money line tonight. Minus 130. You know, when I talk about the props I bet on, I always like to say, okay, if something's happened 70% of the time and you're getting more than even money, hey, you jump on that. This is kind of the same where 17 and 0 after a loss in the last couple of playoff runs. Hey, it's minus 130. That's, you know, a pretty good price. I'm just all over it. I think the sports books are maybe giving the Rangers too much love considering who their opponent is. So I love the Lightning on the money line tonight. And I'm taking a prop. When I bet on game one, I took Hedman to get an assist. And I was kicking myself because I thought about Anthony Sorelli. I thought it was a nice spot. I didn't end up doing it. Well, tonight I am going to take Anthony Sorelli to get a point at plus 115. I'm also going to go with a little half unit sprinkle on Sorelli to get an assist because it's plus 225. He's playing on the top line. Why not jump on this? Plus money is a really good spot. I think the Lightning will win tonight. I think that top line will be involved in the scoring. And Frank, I also do really like points by Canada as the Lightning at even money to win this series. I don't view this series as a coin flip. I mean, I still pick, I picked the Rangers to win this thing in seven, but I'm starting to think there might be some value in maybe hedging that prediction and taking the Lightning to win this series. Yep. Lightning, even money to win the series. They started the series at minus 150. Points bet also has something that caught my eye. Lightning minus one and a half games in the series, which means they'd have to win in six plus 200. I don't know. Yeah. And by the way, well, good for why you not for uh, off on the? Sorry, I was just going to say, why not take them to win the series exactly four to two at plus three seventy five? Oh well, in that case, That's yeah, that would work. But they could also win the series in five by winning four straight, which gives you the one yeah. and a half. I don't know, just to, just another option. And by the way, good on you for holding off on the over. As I mentioned on yesterday's show in game two of the West final, well done by you. Thank you to Tyler Remchuk for our daily bets segment. That brings us to garbage time. And Matt, while we were talking, a little tidbit of news. The NHL Department of Player Safety has fined Zach Cassian 2,500 bones for unsportsmanlike conduct for ripping off Bowen Byram's helmet while he was uh, hit into the bench. And I got to give Cassian props. It was kind of a hilarious moment because he was so subtle at it. Like as he was doing it, you could see he was kind of like looking around. He's like, does anyone notice? And he never raised his arms. He was like, it was all below the boards and he just quick boom, ripped Byram's helmet off. And I know, it's kind of obvious when Byron pops up again without a bucket, but still, nonetheless, uh, full marks to Zach Cassian for the hilarious move, which, by the way, somehow ended up going to the box even up as Byron got a penalty as well. One of the weird sequences and a trade that the Edmonton Oilers will take every time. All that said, to say that the floor is yours for garbage time. Okay, so we know last night the vote, it dragged out Tempe City Council. They vote 5-2 to begin negotiations with Coyotes on a new arena proposal. This is not an official yes vote. This is an agreement to continue discussions and there's interesting expressed in moving forward. We know, of course, the Coyotes right now, they're going to be going to Arizona State for the little Mick Arena for a few seasons, but there's potential for a larger project, 16,000 seat arena, a lot of money going into it. But what I want to ask you, Frank, is, is why? Why do we have to keep limping on? I feel like the Michael Scott gif. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five in terms of this need from Gary Bettman in particular to just keep this franchise on life support when there is not much interest in it. I want to throw some numbers at you. Okay. This is the Coyotes rank in attendance capacity the past 10, 10 seasons. Okay. 
30th, 29th, 29th, 28th, 29th, 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 27th, 28th, and 30th. We can't just say it's about having a winner. They were dead last in attendance capacity the year they went to the conference final, 2011-12. There is just not much interest, even though this is top 10, 11 TV market in the United States. It's just not happening. And I don't understand. And we saw, of course, Gary Bettman said, as a result of the discussion yesterday, that as part of it, there would need to be a 30-year no relocation agreement. And I don't understand why. There are other markets out there that make a lot more sense. We know in Houston, in a central time zone, of course, Tillman Vertita's got the arena. He's expressed interest as recently as 2019 in getting a franchise there. I've always thought that Milwaukee was a market that deserved a little more of a look because it's a hockey market. They have an NBA team there already. And we know just you have the Wisconsin Badgers. There's interest there. And I just think it makes a lot more sense, central time zone as well. I just want to know what you think, Frank, as well. Why? Why do we have to keep this team on life support in Arizona. The people of Arizona, I would argue, don't even want it. I'm going to give you one reason why, and you rattled off all those years in attendance. It's this number five that matters. It's the fifth biggest market in the United States. And the attendance, I believe, and the NHL has believed for a while, is because A, the arena in Glendale was poorly located 45 minutes away from their fan base. And B, the team has been mostly hot garbage throughout a large percentage of that time. These renderings all look amazing. Like I'd love to see it come to fruition. I actually do think there's a market for it. And I think back to when the Coyotes first moved to Arizona and they were in downtown Phoenix playing in the same building as the Suns. It was actually a hot ticket. Like the, there was tons of interest in the Coyotes. They had good players, Jeremy Roenick, Keith Kachuk, go down the list. They were a pretty decent team that was competitive and played in the right place. So I think if you you know line all those things up again, and, and maybe the Coyotes are timing it to be finally competitive again when they have a new arena to, to you know hang their hat in. But until then, there's going to be more pain. And I'll say this too, Tempe City Council, 12-hour marathon session or however long it went, we're a long ways off from putting shovels in the ground. So wake me up when that happens because until then, I don't believe it. Yeah, that's fair. And I'm going to leave you with one more thought though, Frank. Okay. So that's the fifth biggest market. You know, it's still a bigger market, Houston. Uh, depends on what stat you look at. Sometimes it is or it isn't. Uh, Philly, Houston, and Phoenix are all right there in the four, five, six range. A couple digits off one year or the next uh, in terms of population and market size. Uh, some would say Phoenix also uh, more income per capita. So interesting to think about and look at. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless, a good debate. And sadly, Matt, one that we'll continue to have feels like for months and or years to come. That'll do it for today's Daily Faceoff show. Fantastic insight from John Goyens. Thanks to Matt Larkin as well, Tyler Uremchuk, and our technical producer, Alex Allard, the man behind the scenes, pushing all the buttons to make sure you can see all those clips. That'll do it. Uh, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll be back on Monday. Who knows? Maybe we'll be talking about a potential sweep by the Colorado Avalanche. We'll see. Lots of interesting stuff to happen this weekend. 12 noon Eastern on Monday. You know where to find us. Until then, enjoy the games and have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.